so much. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. We, we are really excited to get to see uh, new people, new churches, and we're excited just to be here. Thank you very much for all you guys have done for us. Thank you, Pastor, for a good uh, dinner tonight. We really enjoyed that. And uh, thank you for a nice prophet chamber. You guys have a nice house for the missionaries over there. We feel like, man, this, we don't deserve this, you know. It's beautiful. Thank you so much for allowing us to stay there for a few days, and then we can continue to our next meeting. And, and maybe I, I failed to mention this. Tanzania, uh, they border with, uh, up on the north. They have Uganda and Kenya up north. And then on the western, west side, like up northwest, they have Rwanda and Burundi. And the western side, they have uh, Congo. And the southern side, they have um, Zambia and Malawi. They border. And the eastern side, they have Indian Ocean. So, and the country has over 62 million people there. Uh, that's a need of the gospel. And also, as you can see, in Tanzania, they speak Swahili. Growing up there, I spoke Swahili all my life. So uh, I'm going to call John 316 in Swahili for you, if you, if you don't mind. Johanna Tatu Kumina Sita, Komana Jinsi Mungu Aliupenda Ulimwengu Ataka Mtomu Wanayo Pekeili, Kila Mtomu Aminia Spote, Bali Awe Na Uzimu Aminia. That's John 316. Amen. And uh, we have over 120 dialects, tribes, in Tanzania. They all speak different language. But all over Tanzania, the first president united our country by making everyone learn to speak Swahili. So we speak Swahili, and some, they speak a little bit English nowadays because uh, in the past, they used to know their tribal language, and then they used to know Swahili. But now, because people, they want their kids to learn the trade languages, English, wherever you go, you have to speak English. So um, they make them to go to the English medium school. Now they speak a little bit English there, so... And I'd like to welcome you anytime, wherever you can, come visit. You can see the work first hand on the mission field. We'd love to have you come visit so anytime. Yes, let's jump on the word of God. In 2 Kings chapter number 7. 2 Kings chapter number 7. 2 Kings chapter number 7. Second Kings chapter number 7. I'm going to read just one Bible verse there. And then uh, we'll pray and then we'll continue. 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse number 3. The Bible says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate. And they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? Why sit we here until we die? That's the title of my message tonight. Why sit we here until we die. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the past and the vision he has uh, reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this church and the people who are faithful coming even here on Wednesday night. Lord, we just ask you just uh, come and meet with us even send us your Holy Spirit. He can teach us and direct us as we search the scriptures. And Lord, just hide me behind the cross. I can speak your word. I mean, you can help your people. You can encourage one another even here tonight. Lord, we love you. We need you. In Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, 2 Kings chapter number 7, verse number 3, uh, the Bible says at the end, Why sit we here until we die? This is the time when the children of Israel, um, they were surrounded by their enemies. Their enemies were the Syrians surrounded the children of Israel. And the, in the country of Samaria, what's happened, there was a famine in the land. There was hunger. There was no food in the land. I mean, everyone else was struggling to get some food. Uh, even the mothers were trying to, to do whatever it takes to, to have food to survive. 
You can look at 2 Kings chapter number 6, verse 28 and 29, very quick here. The Bible says, And the king said unto her, What aileth thee? And she answered, This woman said unto me, Give thy son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat my son tomorrow. So we bought my son and, and did eat him. And I said unto her on the next day, Give thy son, that we may eat him. And she has hid her son. As you can see, the, the famine was so severe to the point people, they were eating their own kids. I mean, the mother, they were giving their own children to be eaten. And the thing is, like, you can see people, they need food. And then the Bible comes on 2 Kings chapter number 7, in one, verse 1 and 2. We see uh, uh, prophet Elisha is prophesying the end of the famine in Samaria. And then some people, they didn't believe him. But the thing we come in verse number 3, you find out there's four people. They had a leprous disease. And these four people, because they had a leprous disease, they had to separate them. And then they put, the Bible said they put them outside the gate, outside the city. So they were sitting there, I don't know for how long, but there were four men who had a leprous disease sitting outside the city. And now the Bible says that those men, they were sitting there, they were hungry. They were talking to one another, say, hey, we are hungry, so what are we going to do? I mean, if we go to the city, there's no food. So what are we going to do? We must, we must do something. Because you know why? That's the right thing to do. Because if we sit here, we're going to die. If we don't do anything, we're going to die. So they decided now, they decided to go to the, to the enemy side, to the Syrians. And then uh, when they went there, we see there's several applications we're going to make even here tonight. But they go, these men, they're going to teach us a lot of things even here tonight very quick. Um, let me ask you a question, a Christian. What are you doing with your life? What are you doing with your life? What is your goal in life? Is your goal to get education? Is your goal to have a baby? Is your goal to get married? Is your goal to build a nice house? Is your goal to make a lot of money? Did God really press you on this earth to sit and die? You know, why has God brought you to this church? Why has God brought you to this church? Why did God allow you to get saved? God allowed you to get saved. You are not one of those people there who are not saved. But God has allowed you to get saved. Why did he do that? And let us look at these four lepers. They will teach us something. Finally, they said one to another. Why sit we here until we die. Let me, let me jump on my points. Point number one, uh, no matter what you do in life, you will die. No matter what you do in life, you will die. You know, Second Kings chapter number seven, verse number three and four, and the Bible says, and there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said one to another, why sit we here until we die? If we say we'll enter into the city, then the famine is in the city. We shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. Now therefore come and let, let us fall unto the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. They knew that they're going to die. If they save, us, they save them, they're going to they're gonna stay alive. But we are in the same position today as these lepers. I know this is not an amazing truth, but many Christians never seem to grasp it. You know, if you do God's will, one day you will die. If you do God's will, we're all going to die one day. If we do God's will, one day we're going to die. If we don't do God's will, one day we're going to die. 
No matter what you do in life, you will die. If you are saved tonight, one day, it's going to come a time, you will die. If you are not saved even here tonight, maybe you're here, you're not saved. One day, you will die. We're all going to die one day. And the difference between the man who dies doing his own will and the man who dies doing God's will are the blessing and joy. You know, the man who lives his life according to God's plan will have joy here on earth and rewards in heaven one day. So point number one, no matter what you do in life, you will die. Point number two, we must come to the point we are willing to die doing God's will. We must come to the point we are willing to die doing God's will. Because we know one day we're going to die, so let's, let's come to the point we are willing to die doing God's will. Philippians 1.21, I'm not going to read, but the thing Paul is uh, he's saying here that either in death or in life, his life is to serve Christ. He was saying, I'm going to serve Christ even if I die doing it. If I die, I'll be going to Christ anyways, and that's the gain. These lepers said the same thing in their physical state. They did not care if they died. They felt compelled to go, and they knew that that was the right thing to do. It came to a point where their own lives were not important to them anymore. Let me give you an example. Missionary uh, James Calvert was a missionary to the cannibals of Fiji Island. When he and his fellow missionaries landed on the island, the captain of the ship that brought them tried to, to get them to turn back. The captain yelled and screamed and he said, You will die. The men with you will die if you stay here. He cried. And after a moment, missionary James Calvert replied simply, We died before we got here. We died before we got We gave our life to God before we got here. We gave our rights to God. Say, God, use us no matter what. We came here to serve you. We died before we came here. Look, God may not ask you to die to do his will. Most likely he will ask you to live and do his will and die to yourself. We have to give up our own dreams and aspirations. We all have dreams. We all have aspirations. You know, the thing, sometimes in life you have to give up your own dreams. And I was dreaming one day after I finished high school, I can go to the university in a big city there in Tanzania. And then I knew that I'm going to pursue, uh, I'm going to get a degree in international relations. And the thing is, like, I knew I'm going to make a lot of money. But the thing is, like, the time came, my pastor sat down with me. He saw there's a potential. He advised me to go to a Bible college. I had to live on my own dreams and everything. You know why? I knew I wanted to be like my pastor with a mission. I want to serve God. I want to reach the people. I want to build the church. I want to start churches. And then they, now today I'm here because I said, God, just use me. No matter what, I want it to be used by you. And that's why I'm here. And the thing is, like, it doesn't matter how long we live here on this earth. You know, we may live 100 years from now. But it's not going to matter if you didn't reach anybody. You know, the thing is, like, it's going to matter when we get to the other side. We see how we, did we spend our life here on earth. God has given us a great country. God has given us a good life. But the thing is, like, how do you use your life? How do you use the country God has given you? We as a Christian, if we are saved, we need to reach somebody. We need to serve God with the life God has given to us. So that's why we are here. We might as well serve God because, you know, what? there's going to come a time it doesn't matter what Bible college you went to. 
It doesn't matter anything. You reach before God, and then God is going to ask you, I gave you a good life. What did you do with the life I gave you? And then we're going to start giving some excuses. I don't know. So point number one, no matter what you do in life, you will die. Point number two, we must, we must come to the point we are willing to die doing God's will. Point number three, when God calls you, God will provide. When God calls, God will provide. Second Kings chapter number seven, verse number five and six. Verse number five and six, the Bible says, And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of Syrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord has made the host of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and noise of horses, even the noise of great hosts. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel has hired against us the king of Hittites and the kings of Egyptians to come upon us. You know, when these men obeyed God's call, God had already worked out the miracle. When they obeyed God's call, God had already worked out the miracle. And they, uh, the thing is, like, when, uh, when God called, um, he had ran the enemy off. When he put, the, uh, he put the thought in their minds, in their hearts, he had already worked out a way. Think about this miracle. I mean, these guys, they were surrounding the Israelites. They, the Israelites were surrounded. And the thing is, like, they, didn't, they, they can't get out or anywhere. And the thing is, like, they never stop and think, when did the Israelites went to hire all these kings to come against us? They never stop and think, that's the way God works it out. Because, you know, when you obey God's call, God has already worked out the miracle to help you in the journey. And we all have different journeys in life. The thing is, like, if we say, God, I'll serve you, God, I'm here, just use me. You know, God is going to direct and he's going to provide for you. And many times we are very scared sometimes in the beginning. But we don't have to live by fear, you know, because, like, we don't have the spirit of fear, the Bible says. The thing is, like, you and I, we have to trust God. God will provide. And many times when we, we, when we started booking up the meeting back maybe in, in January or February, when we got here, and then we said this year we're going to go out west to visit some of our supporting churches and new churches. And guess what? We're in Milwaukee. The gas prices are not too bad. Amen. So we were heading out west, although it's California. The thing is, like, we filled up our tank there in Milwaukee about $70 to $80 as we continue the journey. We got to California, the same tank size. It's $100. I mean, you were like, okay. And then I told my wife, I said, hey, you know what? God has called us. And these people have been faithful all these years. They deserve for us to be there and to show what we have been doing there. And the thing is, like, we knew that if God has called us, God will provide for us. And the thing is, like, even if we be $10 a gallon, he's the one who's going to supply for us. And then we don't have to worry about anything because we have to trust him. And then God brings, like, different people, different churches, they just supply our needs we never even asked. And they one very quick. We started the journey in Texas. Our first church pastor in Texas, uh, we had the car, the car, the tires were bad. I mean, in Texas, the speed limit, some of them were 80 miles an hour. I mean, you can go, and the pastor's shaking. I didn't know. And then when I got, we got to our first church in Texas, the pastor just said, hey, I want to look at your car. Wow, okay. So he went to look at my car, and then he said, I thought it was a black smoke on the, on the tailpipe and the everything. So he looked and said, no, you're good. And then he started looking at the tire. The tires are some cuts already. They're seven years old. And now I said, no, 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 no. I'm not going to let you travel this kind of uh, tires, you're going to blow up any time with these babies. So that church, 
God used that church providing a full brand new tire. When we got to the highway, oh my goodness, there's a difference between the old tires and new tires. You can tell the car is like you do 90, 100, Pastor. You can let it go like it's so smooth. But when you reach 70 when, with the old tires, the steering wheel was like, we didn't know, but God is good. Amen. God will provide for you. I mean, we didn't know God has kept us from many dangers. Maybe that tire will pop from Milwaukee to Texas. Anywhere it could, it could burst. But the thing is that God has been good protecting us. And God is using people. So if God has called you, God will make a way. God will provide for you. Amen. God is good. So, and the thing is, like I want to say, these guys, when they obeyed God's call, God had already worked out the miracle. And you and I, we need to obey God's call. And sometimes we as a Christian, we don't want to obey God's call. Sometimes we teach our kids to say, hey, obedience brings blessing. If you obey, you're going to get the reward. But the thing, how about us in the Christian life? If we obey our Heavenly Father, we're going to be blessed by God. We, God is going to bring blessing in your life. But we, we, we kind of like don't get the blessing we need because we don't want to obey God's call. We don't want to obey God's voice. We want to do our own way. If we let him do his way, God is going to bless you in your life. And you'll be amazed. So um, uh, I'll, I'll say like if God has called you uh, maybe to, to be a pastor, maybe to preach, don't worry. God will provide the way. If God has called you to be a faithful church member, God will provide the way. If God has called you to be a tither, God will provide the way. If God has called you to teach or to preach, God will provide the way. And if God has called you to be a witness, sometimes it can be scary to reach people. But the thing is, like, you have to obey God's call, and God is going to bring the right people. It's very easy to witness to them, and then you'll be, you'll be, you'll be blessed by God. God has been so good. Amen. And also, next point, uh, point number four, there was no man. There was no man. Look on verse number five. At the end of verse number five, 2 Kings 7, 5, it says, there was no man there. There was no man there. Why was there, uh, was there no Israelites trying to gather a group to fight in the name of the Lord? Why there's no Israelites trying to gather a group to fight in the name of the Lord? Has not 300 men with Gideon conquered a thousand. Has not 300 men of Gideon conquered a thousand? Could not God do it again? There was no Israelite trying to gather a group to go fight in the name of the Lord. There was no men to go. They were all scared. They were all surrounded. In Ezekiel 22, 30, God is still looking for a man to stand in the gap. Ezekiel, I've held this phrase many times. God is still looking for a man to stand in the gap. Even 2022, even today, God is still looking for the men to stand in the gap. But there's no men to go. There's no men to stand in the gap. We are going to Tanzania, South Africa. How about Europe? How about in some other part of Africa? In, in Europe, in New Zealand, in, in Australia, and so many other countries. God is still looking for the men even today to stand in the gap for him. Then those countries, in some other countries, they are looking for somebody who knows the truth to go teach them the Bible to go teach them about the gospel, to go teach them about Jesus Christ. What has done in your life? God is still looking for the man, but he found none. Why not someone to say, hey, I'm going to go there. No matter what I do in life, you know, it's not going to matter, but I can bring people to know Jesus Christ as a personal savior. 
We are going to Tanzania in one country. There's so many. Even if we can come to Tanzania, we're not going to reach everybody. But we can do our part to reach the people there in Tanzania. How about some other people to volunteer and to go on the missions work? Maybe young people, we are here for your life. You can say, hey, God, yes, you can use me and anyhow you want to. I want to stand in that gap. God is still looking for the men in 2022 to stand in the gap, to go in a foreign country, maybe to go in your neighborhood, to, to your co-worker, to some places to bring people in for Jesus Christ. You know, those who are going are very important. Those who are staying are very important. So even God has called you to stay, you are very important. And for those who God is going to call you to go, you are important too. Amen. We are all important, but the thing is like we need someone to stand in the gap, to stand in the gap for the missionaries, to pray for the missionary, you know, to communicate with the mission. They go through struggles sometimes in the mission field. They go through hard, hard times even in the mission field. Hey, I say, I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to communicate with those missionaries. I'm going to reach out to them through email or wherever. I'm going to see how they're doing and everything. That's how to stand in the gap. Because you know what? Some missionaries are quitting and coming back home. Some of them, they were discouraged, and some of them, some other things, whatever, the government and everything, they need encouragement from home. If you reach out, can be your ministry, say, God, I'm going to stand in the gap for that missionary, or for that Pharaoh over there, and over there, you're going to stand in the gap. And God is still looking for a man to stand in the gap. God can still do an amazing work. If we back home, we hold them up, we pray for them, we support them, and do whatever we can. To make sure those missions that stay on the on the field, you know, um, you know, yes, there's plenty of people that will line up, you know, to enjoy worldly pleasure. There's plenty of people uh, will meet up with the girls at night. There's plenty of people who drink alcohol. There's plenty of people who do drugs. There's plenty of people who cast and gamble and steal. We know there's plenty of them. But where are those who will serve, who will serve the Lord? Where are those who resist the temptation for God to use them? Where are those who's going to deny themselves for God to use them? You know, the line to serve the Lord is normally pretty empty. There's plenty of room in the Lord's line. There's plenty of room in the Lord's line. Let me give you another uh, example for a one-legged missionary. George Scott, a one-legged school teacher from Scotland, volunteered for a mission's work in China. When asked why he, with only one leg, thought of going to China. He said, I do not see those with two legs going, so I must. Thus began his more than 20 years of missions work in China. Those who are able, they don't want to go. And those who are not able, say, so I must. Because I don't see those who are able, those who are willing, they don't want to go. You know, the thing is like some of us, we have the truth. We're not willing. Someone is like, hey, I say, I held this, this story. God has touched me. Maybe I don't qualify, but you know what? I will go. And that's the way we need to be, we as a Christian. You know what? We need to obey God's voice. We need to be willing. You know, sometimes we are ready. God has prepared. Some of us who went through a Sunday school, we are growing up in church all, all our lives. We held all the sermon, all the preaching here. You know, God has spoken to us many, many times. But we keep putting you away, and we are ready. When it comes to willingness, I say no. Like the feeding of the 5,000 people, very quick, the story of the feeding of the 5,000 people in the Bible. 
the boy, the lad, that morning he was prepared to go hear Jesus Christ preach. It was a special morning. He knew he was going to be hungry. He prepared his sacrament, some fish and some bread. He went to hear him preach. And what happened? When he was ready, he was prepared, he got there, God was able to use him. And now we come to church, do we come prepared for God to speak to us? Oh, do we come to church and say, hey, it's another day going to church. Oh, you come, this is a very special day compared to last Wednesday, compared to last Sunday. Today is a special day. We have to come for God to speak to us only. You know, the thing is like that boy, when, when Jesus Christ asked his disciples, hey, I need you to feed the people here. And then his disciples start giving some, uh, some excuses. Philip say, hey, we have so many people here. We're in the desert. There's no food here. What's happened? Andrew Simon Peter's brother said, there's a lad here which has five barley loaves and two small fishes. What are they among so many, the Bible says. And now when the boy was asked, can we use your sacrament? Was he willing to share? Oh, he denied. He said, no, you can't use my sacrament. He was willing to share. Remember, he was prepared. He came prepared. And then he was willing for his sacrament to be used. He shared his sacrament. So what's happened? You know, readiness without willingness is meaningless. You can be ready, but you're not willing. You wasted your time. It's meaningless. And some of us, we've been ready for years. But we're not willing to say, hey, God, here am I. Just use me. I will go. I will do this and that. We just kind of wasted a lot of time in our lifetime. So we have to be ready. We have to be willing. Because when you are ready, readiness without willingness is meaningless. So we have to do both. We have to be willing when God calls us. When God speaks to us, we have to be willing and say, yes, God. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Next point. Let me run here very quick. The time is running out. Um, uh, I'll just finish with this. Let us not keep this great news to ourselves. Let us not keep this great news to ourselves. Uh, look on verse number 9. It's my last verse here. Verse number 9. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings. And we, uh, and we hold our peace if we, we tell till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come, that we may go and tell the king's household. Come and let's go tell the king. And the thing is here, they could not keep this wonderful news of salvation to themselves, these four men. They could not keep this great news of, uh, to themselves. Can you? Salvation has come to you. Are you silent? We were commanded to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Are we silent preaching the gospel? Telling what God has done in your life. That's the gospel. Hey, God has done this and this. You preach the Bible. You tell other people what God has done through you in, in your life. And the thing is, like, these men, just, uh, just, just think with me. They went to the first tent. They were hungry, remember. There's no food in the country, in Samaria. They went to the first tent. These enemies, they were ran away. They're not there. No one is there. And then when they obeyed God's call, they got to the first tent. They found plenty of food. They started eating as fast as they can because there's food and they're hungry. They start eating. They went to the next tent. They found more food. They start eating. They're slowing down now. So until their belly were full. I mean, they're next to the next one. There's more food. There's more food. And now there's food and some riches. 
some silver, some gold, and some other stuff. And then they continue. They got to the next tent, more food, more gold, and more silver. They ate, and then one, they say, hey, hold on. They stopped. They say, listen, listen, guys, we found food. We are full right now. And now we need to go tell the king. Because we know in the city there's hunger, there's no food, and we have plenty of food right here. We have to go tell the king because if we stay here tomorrow until tomorrow, you know, there's a mother's going to kill their baby tomorrow in the city because there's no food in the city. Someone is going to die tomorrow because they have no food. We have to hurry before the morning light, before the morning light comes on and we need to go tell the, the king. And then the king can come get the print of food here, like prophet Elisha. And prophets at the end of the famine. You see, and verse number one and two, second Kings chapter number seven, the thing is like, uh, the thing is like, they had to stop and go tell the king, there's food. How about us today, Christians? We have the bread of life. We have food. We have salvation. Are we satisfied because we are saved? And then, you know, one day anything happens in your life right now, you are guaranteed to meet your Savior one day. You know, the thing, how about those people who are dying and going to hell? Are we sending them, hey, we're going to go tell them about the great news of salvation? Do we go and tell them, hey, there's food over here, there's king over here, there's hope? Are we going to go and tell them because you know why? That's the right thing to do. If you are saved, you can go tell someone else. And that's how we have to do. We are going to Tanzania to tell the people what God has done in your life. We say, hey, there's food here. There's a gospel. There's a good news. No matter what you do in life, you have to trust him to take you to heaven. We need to trust Jesus Christ because people, they depend on the witch doctors, witchcraft. They depend on the good works and everything. Those are not going to take them to heaven. But only Jesus, Jesus is the only way to go to heaven. We have to go tell them. We as a Christian, we can be satisfied, sit here until we die and not tell anybody. But we all know this time, all of us, our time will come. And then we're going to meet our Savior one day. And then when you meet your Savior face to face, what are you going to tell him? How many people do you bring them to Christ? How many did you tell them, hey, let's go to church when they get here, they will hear the gospel. I mean, through God's grace, they can get saved. We need to get busy, we as a Christian. We need to reach the world, and it's getting crazy and crazy every day. It's not getting better, and we know that. How about us? We as a, the, you know, the thing is like some people, their hope is in the White House. It's sad. Our hope. Is here. The hope of this country is sitting here tonight. You and I, it's our responsibility to go tell them about the good news of the gospel. We are not going to hate each other. We are not going to kill each other if we have our Savior. We'll love each other. And just we're going to go show the love of Christ. It will fix everything. But if we sit here until we die, the country is going to get worse. Our kids, our grandkids, it's going to be terrible even to live in America someday. Because you know what? We Christians, they keep us silent. If you say something, you offend somebody. 
And we are afraid, we as a Christian, they say, you know, I've given power. Jesus Christ will say, I've given power. He has all the power. We have to go with boldness. We have to go with confidence. Even Peter stood up with the other, and they stood and they preached the gospel with boldness, and a lot of people got saved. Don't worry about offending some other people. They're a very small group of people. We are afraid of them. When we speak the truth, they're going to be offended. When they come back to us, we feel we are offending them, and then we are just trying to be silent. Don't be silent, Christian. You know, during Apostle Paul, they went through tough times. During, uh, even du- during, uh, during Jesus Christ's ministry, uh, the Sadducees uh, and they, 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 the Pharisees, they came to him. Like, he was not afraid to tell them the truth. Why are you today? We are followers of Jesus Christ. And the thing is, like, you and I, we are saved. One thing, Jesus Christ, what he did, he promised you as a Christian. When you trust him, you'll go to heaven one day. He never said life is going to be easy. He never promised you life is going to be easy. It's going to be up and down. It's going to be up in the mountain, down in the valley. It's going to be tough sometimes. But you have to keep pressing on. You know, the thing is, like, yeah, I'm going to finish with this. Apostle Paul said in 2 uh, Thessalonians 2.19, he said, What is our hope, O joy, O crown of rejoicing? It's not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming. So Apostle Paul went through tons of stuff. If it would be you and I, we could quit or do whatever. The thing, he kept pressing on. He knew that there's people one day, they were supposed to go to heaven. They could go to hell if we quit. Apostle Paul, he said he will think about you and me. Those people who are going to get saved one day. Those churches are going to be established one day. You know, he was thinking of you and me. He said, that's my joy and my hope. To see those people who could be going to hell, but now they're in heaven because they stayed faithful in the work of God. And that's our joy and our hope and crown of rejoicing. Because you know why? If you quit, if you don't witness, there's some people going to go to hell. And then when you get to heaven one day, you're going to feel, why didn't I do so much? Why I didn't do anything? So that's why we need to do something to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're going to Tanzania to reach them. The, the, the field is white, ready to harvest there. And now we just we, we need the willing people to go. And you and I, we can go. And the Bible says, why sit we here until we die? You have to ask you that question. Hey, did God create me to sit and die? Did God brought me on this earth, brought me to this church just to sit and die? Did God get me saved just to sit and die? There's a, bigger, there's a bigger plan for your life. Everyone can work in God's, uh, in God's program. God has a special place for each and every one of us. We can do our part to reach the gospel. You can reach those people in Tanzania. Maybe you cannot reach. You can support the work over there. They can be able to be rich. You say, hey, I'm not going to be able to go. If I can be able to afford to buy the bus for them, I can send the bus and bring them in every week. Amen. That's the work of God. Amen. You can do whatever you can do in the work of God. And we can all participate. And when you get to heaven one day, it's going to be glory. Hallelujah. You will never see them. They're going to come hug you and say, hey, I'm glad you sent that mission. I'm glad you support that mission because, you know, I'll never be here if it were not for you. You prayed for me. You never knew me, but you prayed for me. You support this mission and reach us out there. You know why? Thank you. A lot of thank yous. You know, the Bible says, why sit we here until we die? Thank you, Pastor.